Hey everyone, Katie and I are really excited about this episode because we're going to be talking about something that gets brought up in so many conversations, whether it's our close friends and family, or whether it's just comments that we hear throughout culture and media, um, or just around when, when we're out and about with our two kids and our third on the way, and that's how many children can we afford to have? Uh, I think it's something that many people wonder. Yeah, we're going to dive into what Google says, how we were raised, some different families that we knew and the incomes that they have, and kind of get nitty gritty too about exactly how much income we are making when we had our first. So I think this is going to be a really fun episode. Also, please leave us a rating or a review if you would. You can just tap on the stars um, for the rating preferably the fifth star. Katie and I love it when we see people rating our podcast and especially when people leave reviews. Uh, so please do that. Without further ado, though, we're going to get this thing rocking and rolling. Hey, I'm Elisha Vopert. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in big families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with two young children and our third on the way, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go! Welcome back to the Now That We're a Family podcast. I know I'm excited about this episode. Katie, how are you feeling about this episode? Oh, I'm so excited about it, Elisha. Me too. It's a really fun topic, I think, because we get to share a lot of our personal experience. Mm -hmm. And then we get to kind of look to some various families that we grew up around that got really creative in how they afforded the number of children that they chose to have and, uh, and what they did to do that. I know. It's funny when I think... Well, I was having a conversation the other day with my cousin and she mentioned how much it cost to raise one child. And it's funny because I've never thought of that in my own brain. And mm. it was so daunting. And I was thankful I've never thought of that. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Uh, because I think that it is interesting if you just probably look at the big number, you know, of what whatever the average is, whatever Google says, uh, then it probably is kind of overwhelming. But you know what? Before we dig into this episode, I think we, I do need to say something okay. that's not really related to this episode. Oh, okay. Because I just want our listeners to know that the weather here in Bend, Oregon on this day is out of control. Oh, it's insane. Yeah, it snowed 22 inches in, in tw one day. Yeah, yeah, in 24 hours. In less than 24 hours. Yes, sorry, in 24 hours. So you're, you're right. I didn't mean to correct you there. <laughs> it's okay. But it's just, it was 22 inches in less than 24 hours, and it was pretty, it is crazy. That's a big deal when you get that much snow, especially in a town like Bend, where we definitely get snow every year, but a snowstorm like this is exceptional, and so the town isn't necessarily prepared for it. I wouldn't say. No, and our car isn't prepared for it either. Oh, yeah, right. There's no way our car is prepared for any amount of snow. But tonight was really fun because we got the kids bundled up, and we got ourselves bundled up, and we went for a long walk in the snow, and it got dark. And so and you, you guys know it's always so pretty and still and quiet when it snows and it's dark outside. So that was really fun. Uh, but it was kind of... Except it, the yeah. trail was only plowed halfway. Well, okay, so that wouldn't have been so much of a problem except for that we brought the stroller, which was probably yeah. a bad idea. 
But yes, in fact, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say that was a bad idea. <laughs> Just to own up to it. Yeah, uh, because the first part of the trail was was like plowed and smooth, so we thought the stroller would work well. But then about a quarter of a mile into the trail, it became unplowed, and so we had to plow our way through with the stroller. But it was worth it. It was fun. It was fun. We made oh, a memory. Okay, so with that behind me now, Okay, so now that now that we've told you about our day, I'm just going to dig right in here. And I think that relationships are the biggest gift we can give our children. And we've talked about our marriage relationship and that relationship that we can give to our kids. But if you didn't have a good relationship with your parents, you know what I'm talking about. You or if your parents had a broken relationship or if you haven't had good relationships with your children or your siblings, I mean... <laughs> Or your children. Or your children, for that matter. There is just something that hurts when relationship is broken. And I think we experience that on a macro level with our relationship with the Lord Uh and being in that relationship. Sure, sure. That makes sense. I know that that's the number one thing that I'm grateful for to my parents. It's not what they provided for me materially, although I am grateful that I always had clothes and I had food to eat. And I never once had the fear of not being provided for for the bare necessities, which is a huge blessing. And I certainly wouldn't want anybody's children, I, and definitely not my own children, to ever feel that type of insecurity where they don't know whether or not they're going to be provided for in the practical and physical ways. But what I'm most grateful for to my parents is just the relationship that I have with them and that we've had since I was a young boy. And, um, and it's interesting, as we both agree that is the most valuable thing, there are some bare necessities I feel like that need to be in place in order to be able to have room and have the environment to build those types of relationships. But I think that that is oftentimes misconceived as to what that is. What are the bare necessities? You know, is it, how would you consider that Katie? You know, is it each kid having their own room? Is it being able to have new clothes every, every year or, you know, every season? What is that? Well, I don't know exactly what that is, but I know I was listening to a couple on YouTube and they have two children now, and they were saying that their biggest reason for not wanting a third child is because they want to give their two children that they have everything. And they went on to describe what everything was to them. And they said, cars an Ivy league education, Um, They want them to be able to eat out and have name brand clothes and be able to go to private schools. And that makes sense. We desire in our hearts good gifts for our children. But I think sometimes when we think, oh, giving our children a sibling will take away from what we're going to be able to give them. Hmm. And I just think that's putting value in the wrong place. When we give our children a sibling, we are giving them a relationship. And relationships are the only thing that are eternal. Yeah. They're the only thing we can take with us. And so I just think placing that value on, oh no, this extra child is going to take away from the experiences that the older one would have been able to have. It's just not the right mindset to have when considering having another child or not. Yeah. That's certainly not the mindset that I currently have. And I'm grateful that my parents didn't have that mindset either. Because I think that if I look back, trying to look back objectively at my childhood and my siblings, you know, my siblings and I's childhood, uh, we did not have the nicest stuff. We didn't have the nicest things uh, when it came to clothes or vehicles, or we weren't able to eat out maybe as some other families. But as a grown man now, and and what's funny is that even in the moment, even as a child, when I was experiencing that, I never once felt like I was 
lacking in any area. I felt like it was just a, de- a decision that my parents made that we were doing it differently. You know, we ate at home more than, you know, the neighbors next door ate at home, but we loved that because we loved being at home. We loved the relationships that were established around the dinner table at home. And it was always looked at in a really positive light. And um, I know that's something that we're going to probably get into more is just how you can really frame your children's childhood as a parent you're able to really write the narrative and give them the perspective that you want them to have on what is important and what what you do value and uh, and just what means the most to you. And I think like Elisha said, we had similar upbringings and that we didn't have a ton of materialistic stuff growing up. But like we've mentioned before, we don't feel lonely. Hmm. We don't feel lack of community. And it's interesting, I was looking this up and in a recent study, out of 20,000 people, nearly half of Americans reported feeling alone. Hmm. And loneliness is just an epidemic hmm. in America. And that's leading us to, you know, social consumption, consumerism when it comes to materialistic stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just think, yeah, Elisha and I didn't have certain things growing up, but he has nine siblings. I have 10 siblings. And we aren't dealing with a huge issue in our culture today, which is isolation and loneliness. Yeah. yeah. And overall mental health. I mean, which yeah. is just a huge deal. I think a lot of those things, you know, are a form of mental health. They're mental health issues. And they can oftentimes lead to more serious mental health issues of depression and, For sure. and anxiety. And obviously, I am not saying at all that just because you have a lot of people around you or you've had a lot of siblings makes it like oh now you aren't going to be lonely and you're going to be happy and because that's so not the case there are so many factors obviously that goes into someone appreciating their upbringing or someone being set up for life and you can do it well or you can not do it well as parents and I think our parents did it well and I'm just saying it's possible to do it well and not have your kids feel like they were missing out I think showing giving kids tons of stuff shows them what we value, but it's not necessarily saying we value them. Hmm. Yeah. That can, and that can probably have some negative effects. I would, I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting to think too, like you already mentioned this, Katie, and I just want to reiterate it that if, if you're a poor parent to one child, having more children is not going to make it that much better. You know, you're, no. <laughs> it's not going to, if, if one child is having a bad experience at home, adding to that isn't necessarily, I don't think a good idea. Uh, I mean, that's just my personal opinion there. So it's not like more kids automatically equals more healthy relationships no. or more security <laughs> or more fun memories. In fact, it can sometimes be quite the opposite. And so, you know, first and foremost, I think that's why we want to always emphasize our relationship with God first and then our marriage. Mm -hmm. And then from there, being able to have, you know, our pastor always says that the Bible says to be fruitful and multiply, not just multiply. Like, you know, you Mm -hmm. need to be fruitful in your multiplication of children. And uh, that's not just, you know, creating a beating heart, you know, and blood pumping through people's veins. It's creating a, a a fruitful child, a child that's walking with the Lord that has spiritual attributes and that, you know, hopefully has the spirit of God living within them. Yeah. But just because this episode is focused on affording children and we aren't diving into all of the things that have to be in place to raise a healthy child. I just want to consider affording is like money. 
how much money does it cost yes. to raise a child? Yes. And time, affirmation, attention, all those things are so much more important when you give those to a child versus money. I 100% agree. And, uh, I, you know, I think I'm going to share a little bit about our story and how we ended up having our, you know, having Leon Tucker so soon into our marriage, because as many of you probably already know, Katie and I were both from large families. I was from a family of 10 and Katie was the oldest of 11. And when we first got married, everybody around us assumed we were going to have a lot of children and get pregnant right away. But our initial intention was to wait. We wanted to wait for a year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't really remember what our reasoning was at the time, you know, now that we're now it's, that it's a couple years yeah, later. It sounded good when we were dating. Yeah. Maybe, you know, travel around or save money or something like that. Something that people always talk about doing. Uh, but instead we decided, I think on day four of our honeymoon to try to get pregnant. And it worked. We totally got pregnant, which was pretty exciting. (laughs) Uh, We didn't try. We did. Yeah, we did. We tried and it worked. And so, you know, that started the timer for, you know, nine months. We had nine months to figure out how we were going to afford this child. And just to give you guys some context as to where we were, in my mind, we, you know, we felt like we were doing fine financially. We knew it was, you know, we were kind of living on a tight budget. But looking back, we really didn't have very much money at all because, we're, we were paying $1,150 in rent mm-hmm. and then we had utilities on top of all of that. And mm-hmm. then we obviously had cell phone and insurance and internet and uh, all just the, the, the expenses food. of life. <laughs> yeah. Food yes. and groceries. And it's funny cause I was making around 16 to $1,800 a month working as a server at a restaurant, uh, mm-hmm. which really that, that went all to just living. All of that went straight to our living expenses. We didn't yeah. have any extra after that. But fortunately, you had like a $300 check coming in every mm-hmm. month from our network marketing business that we do, our supplement business. And uh, that was for the first couple months of our marriage. That's what we had. And so when we yeah. found out that we were pregnant, we didn't have... And, and also, coming home from our honeymoon, I had spent like my entire savings on the wedding ring. Uh, my car had broken down. I had to replace a bunch of stuff on my car. And then yes. our honeymoon, there was a bunch of expenses that I had leading up to our marriage. So I literally had like $600 in savings when we got home from our honeymoon. Yeah, in like a couple months, I think we blew like 20 grand or 16. Leading up to our marriage. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. a couple months leading up yeah. to our marriage, we, we blew, yeah, like all my savings. And so that's really where we were when we became pregnant with our first child was $600 in savings and earning anywhere between $1,800 and $2,100 a month. Um, you know, and our, I mean, $1,150 a month for rent isn't cheap, but it's definitely not like on the high end either. It's just, it just is what it is. I feel like it's right there in the middle. Um, maybe it's high for the U S I don't know what, what, what's for, what's normal for rent in the U S. Um, but we, we didn't, we technically couldn't afford to have a baby at that point. Yeah. I don't think if someone had looked at our bank statement, they would have thought that was a good idea. Yeah. Cause we were going to pay for a midwife, um, and insurance. Well, we didn't have any medical insurance, any health insurance. Not at the time. And it was going to cost more than the money that we had in savings, which was $600. <laughs> but what we did have was nine months to figure out how we were going to make more money. And it's really fun for me to look back because we certainly got creative. Um, I remember I had a big tent that I had, that I had owned because I used to sell Christmas trees and I was able to sell that for like $2,500. And we put that money in our bank account towards our baby. And then, um, we ended up selling my car. We we went from two cars to one car. 
and that went towards the baby fund. I started tutoring. I yes. did some tutoring things. You started teaching guitar lessons. That's right. I started tr- teaching private music lessons on the side. You also did some music gigs. Yes, I did some gigs with uh, with my family band, and that helped with a, have a you know give me a little extra cash. Um, but we got creative, and then I think at that time I had just gotten my real estate license, and I was able between the time that we got pregnant and the time that we had our baby, I think I was able to close four deals. And that's kind of what put us over the edge because mm-hmm. that, that was kind of the difference maker in us having enough money. Well, we also started enough. cranking on Boatberg Music Academy and Neil Life. That's a good point. You're right. We grew all those things in nine months. That's crazy <laughs> to think about what we did. We started three businesses after we got married and yes. really, really worked those hard. Yes. We had a big motivator. We did, yeah. And I think that that's kind of, I, I take that as a something that's pretty cool because when we had that timeline, we just found a way to afford it. We thought, okay, we've got this much time and we're going to find a way to afford it. Now, I'm not saying that that was wise or unwise. It just was what it was. And so from our personal experience, we now know that we can make something happen when we need to make it happen. And what's fun is that we Mm -hmm. never felt desperate. It was always fun. And we just worked hard. We worked really hard in that nine-month stretch. And Mm -hmm. it was really rewarding, I think, to kind of find ourselves in a position that we felt comfortable having having a baby in yeah and just along those lines of getting creative that brings to mind so many things because I think my parents got creative a lot looking back and one at one point they were deeply in debt and we ended up moving to a tent and a trailer two weeks after my mom had her sixth child wow (laughs) and looking back I mean, people gave us a really hard time about that. And I don't, but my parents, to me, as a child, all I remember is that they were unified. They didn't fight about it or bicker. It wasn't a strain on between them. They were both on board with it. And I think that's so important when you make a decision like that. But those were some of the most happy, carefree memories of my childhood. And I always thought we were rich. Yeah. I'm not saying like, I'm saying like money rich because my dad would always say we are rich and I didn't realize he was talking about us kids and our family relationship rich. Yeah. Yeah. But my dad made it seem like such a fun thing Hmm. that, and my mom totally supported him and that we were doing this adventure. We were paying off all this debt. We were making money for a down payment on a house. And to me, it was just like, this is like camping and like, totally having an awesome fort like all my friends should be jealous and I never felt lame about it right you know and they just got creative and then you know we did get a house and my dad was really really diligent working and ended up becoming very successful but looking back at those memories I guess my parents really got creative and I didn't lose anything as a child If anything, I gained incredible memories. Yeah, you still talk about those moments as being some of the fondest memories that you have as a child. Oh my goodness, so many fun things. Yeah, because the original plan was for you guys to live in that big army tent for a year, right? Yeah, my dad and mom agreed on a year. Yep, and then after a year, your dad talked your mom into another year, right? Yeah, he was like, you know what? It was going so well. They were saving so much money. We were down in Southern California, so if you're going to go move into a house in Orange County... It's going to cost a lot of money, and yeah. they didn't want to go backwards from where they right. they'd been. So, yeah. so instead, you guys lived in a army wall tent in Riverside, California, which is not the nicest town well, in California. Yeah, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> Looking back, we'd always smell the cows and be like, "Oh, we're headed home." Nice. But during that time, we also met a family who had fourteen kids, and it's kind of funny because 
I grew up as one of 11, but 14 seems huge to me. (laughs) And they were living in a house that was 1,300 square feet. They had one room that had three triple bunk beds in it. And at that point, I don't know, their oldest child was in their 20s. Um, But that's not it. It wasn't like they were like camped out in this tiny house. They are the most hospitable people you know. And every Friday night, they would open up their house for a pizza night. And like hundreds of people would pack in their house and in the cul-de-sac and out the back. Like my family would go over and hang out. And we had six kids at this time. Right. they had people over for dinner, for lunch. They were just like the most happy, hospitable family. Yep. I know this, this, the same family. And when, when my family was playing music and touring through California, uh, this family that Katie's talking about, we went and played at a, at a church close to where they lived and they invited us to come stay at their house. They're like, Hey, you guys should stay the night at our house. And we're like, Oh, awesome. This family sounds great. They've got 14 kids. It sounds fun. And we were blown away at their hospitality, considering that we had 10 children and my two parents. They opened up their home for us to stay there, and it was not a huge home by any no. means. They, but they were the most hospitable. They fed us so well. They made us feel so welcome. And we had a blast. Like, we loved it. And they are a great example of a family that really didn't let the lack of money, you know, or the lack of, I guess, material things keep them from being extremely hospitable and and raising awesome children. Yeah, and they never gave off that vibe of like, oh, we're we're lacking because yeah, you know, every kid doesn't have their yeah, own. Yeah, even as I say that, you know, they I didn't let the, they didn't let the lack of money. I don't even know if they had a lot of money or not. That's which is a it's fun true. way. Like it I just don't know. A factor. That wasn't a factor in how they uh, lived their life, which is a really fun way to live life. I feel like because when people are around you, they don't even think about money. You don't even talk about money. It's not even a thing. That's something that I want to strive for. <laughs> yes, for sure. And I think too, just along these lines of getting creative, a lot of people bring up a college education as a major expense when you're raising a child. And whether or not your child decides to go to college or whatever that game plan is there, there are so many options for that too. And I was grateful that my parents didn't think, I don't think we could put 11 kids through college. Right. They just were like, we'll learn as we go. Yep. And my degree, my like fully accredited bachelor's degree, I did completely online and it cost me $14,000. Yeah. And I was able to get it by the time I was 19. I was able to go on and pursue quite a few things before I got married yep. at 21, yep. you know? And I just think it was another way my parents got creative. Yeah. And so there are just so many options out there, I guess. And so when you look at a, a Google search of Raising one child costs, you know, yeah, so many, many hundreds of thousands of yeah, dollars. Yeah. It's just like, what are they even saying there? Yeah. What does that even mean? Right. I There's don't so know. many variables. <laughs> I don't and know. so to just put, you know, to make one category for every child is, I think it's kind of silly. Um, and that's, you know, a point that I wrote down kind of goes back to what you talked about at the beginning, Katie. What, what I said is that I've always found a way to afford what I value most. And that's, that's really been true my entire life. I've always found a way to afford what I truly valued. And that can look a lot of different ways, whether it was me wanting a really nice instrument and I found a way to purchase an instrument or whether that just be I valued comfort and so I didn't stretch myself. I didn't go and pursue new career opportunities for a big chunk of my life because I was comfortable. Mm-hmm. I knew what I was doing and so I stayed in my comfort zone and I and I could afford that comfort zone and the lifestyle that went along with it. And that was more valuable to me 
than stretching my comfort zone, than getting outside my comfort zone and learning ultimately how to make more money, you know, mm-hmm. so that I could afford other things as well. And, and I think that that's, I mean, as a rule of thumb, I think that that's pretty, pretty consistent in a lot of people's lives, especially here in the U.S., where we, we have this opportunity to really afford what we want to afford. Um, mm-hmm. If you want security or, you know, the, the, the illusion of security and of stability, then you can find that. If you want a really to be able to live in a community that's really tight and tightly knit and work with people that you enjoy, you can find a way usually to do that. Or if you want to really stretch your comfort zone, the limits are endless. You can yeah. keep, you can keep, you can go back to college and you can find a way to afford college. You can start a business on the side. It's so crazy how many friends you and I have that have businesses on the side mm-hmm. of their full-time job. And oftentimes that turns into their full-time job because it becomes lucrative after four or five or six years of, of pursuing it. You know, everybody's got their side hustle and that's such a reality this day and age, you know, that I'm speaking, you know, just kind of like referring to this day and age mm-hmm. where, um, we have this opportunity to make money in so many different ways. And when I hear about these you know, parents that you referenced, you know, here at the beginning that they've chose, they've decided that they value an Ivy league education, nice cars, nice clothes for their two children and more than they do more children. And that's a hundred percent their decision. It's their prerogative. And Mm -hmm. so I'm certainly not judging them by that, but they're choosing to afford what they value the most. And when I look at my childhood and when I look at what I want for my children, I want them to be able to have rich relationships. I want them to be able to have rich memories that are centered around relationships, not just experiences, not just, you know, fun, rich experiences, but that these are experiences centered around relationships and ideally family relationships because I loved those so much. Yeah, and I think too, like you mentioned, about just making decisions, I guess, with what lifestyle we want in mind. Mm Mm-hmm. I did mention when my family lived in a tent in a trailer, right? But during that time, my parents didn't want that lifestyle for us our whole lives. Sure. They didn't, they knew it was a season for them. They were buckling down. They were doing something a little weird and out of the ordinary, but that was not the lifestyle they wanted to give their family. And so they made decisions to put them in a position to create the lifestyle they wanted. Yes. And like you were saying here in America, that's a hundred percent possible. And that might be, you know, saying no to certain things that sound like a fun idea in pursuit of something that's going to earn you more money in the long run. It's not, we aren't saying, I guess, well, you can have a lot of kids and be broke and have a good time because you can. Right. But you can also afford a large family. Yes. Anyone can here in America. Well, that's what's so cool is that Katie and like, I mean, my daddy and Katie's daddy have both just seen tremendous success in, in their various business endeavors here in these last 10 years, especially, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't always that way. And so Mm -hmm. we, as a family, maybe in my last, I'm just going to say my last maybe seven or eight years at live from at living at home, maybe from the time I was like 12 years old on, we had some really unique and fun experiences because my dad was able to afford it at that point. But leading up to that age of being 12 years old, I never f- felt deprived either. You know, so technically we couldn't afford some of those experiences prior to me being 12 years old. Uh, so we, I felt like I kind of got it both. And I think that you yeah, feel kind of the same I way. I feel that way too because I did have an incredible... I don't know. Yeah, you experience, <laughs> I well, experience a lot well, of crazy things. Well, and I think using, using your guys' example of living in a tent for two years, 
um, you know, in pain, what were you guys paying like $200 a month to be in that yeah, space? It was $300. $300 yeah. a month to be in that space um, and living in a tent. You guys went where you were at before then was probably a lot more of a common looking American life. Yeah, you, we had we had a nice car. We had a three story house. Yep. My dad went to a nice job. That's he right. Worked for a what do you call those things? I think like a stock broker. Was he a stock UBS broker? UBS Payne Weber. Yeah. I don't know. Financial advisor, something like that. He seemed really rich to me there. Sure. <laughs> All his suits. Yeah, but I think like so many Americans, he. You like you already said you you found yourself you guys found yourselves in debt, mm-hmm. deeply in debt, and your dad realizing that he wasn't going to be able to keep this going, and so instead of trying to make minor adjustments, which isn't wrong, he decided to go extreme. And he said, "Okay, I'm going to go from living this high expense life to living the most minimal expensive life that I can." Mm-hmm. And you guys sold the house, you sold the car, you went, and you paid three hundred dollars a month to live on a you know bare piece of property. And two years of that put your dad in a position because he was also working hard to then you go from living in a tent to a few years later, maybe was it six or seven years later, you guys are taking three month ski vacations to like some premier skiing resorts. Yeah, it's kind of insane. Yeah, it's like as the you guys big can tell, extremes. my dad's a pretty extreme guy. So, you know, we went all over the place. Yeah. But I just think too when you when we were younger, like my dad quit the fire service because he was at a small department and the fire service, um, the income he was earning there didn't provide him with the lifestyle he personally wanted. Yeah. Okay. So I think we touched on this a lot of times throughout this episode, but I think whether our kids feel deprived or not is because of our attitude as parents. Mm. That's what's translating to them. And is it, do we feel deprived because we can't have everything we want? Mm. We can't have, you know, maybe the car or the house, you know, do they feel it's because of them or for me personally, like we've just mentioned with a few things, life was always an adventure and life is an adventure. And that's what Elisha and I want to give to our kids is that this is exciting. We can create whatever we want to create. Mm-hmm. We live in a country of opportunity and I guess we never felt deprived. Yes. Well, and I really do think that, like you said, I've got the mindset that you can create what you want. If, if I had a desire to send my children to an Ivy league school or to buy them the nicest clothes and to buy each one of them a brand new car when they turn 16 years old, I really think I could find a way to do it with as many children as the Lord blessed us with, whether that was, you know, our three children that we're about to have or 13 children. I just think you can do it. You can find a way to make money and to make stuff, make stuff happen. That said, I don't value those things that much. I value, I think relationships more. So regardless of how many children Uh, the Lord blesses us with and that we end up having, I think that Katie and I are going to make sure that we facilitate a fun relationship, rich home, uh, because ultimately that's what we want. That's what we enjoyed growing up in. And that's what we want our children to grow up in as well. And so, you know, again, I mean, as you guys have already kind of gotten the point, we, we don't think that there's a set number that you need to have in order to have a certain number of children. Uh, we just don't believe that. We believe that you can get creative. It all comes down to what you want personally. I think that if you want a very high-end lifestyle and a lot of children, that you can find a way to do that. You work hard. You can. Th- this is the land of opportunity. If you are somebody that doesn't necessarily value really nice things, but you enjoy relationships, you can find a way to maybe work less, um, but work harder when you do work. So that when you do work, so that you can enjoy that time with your children. I know that's definitely how my dad operated. He worked hard 
and thoughtfully when he did work. And as a result, he didn't have to work as much. And so we got to see my daddy a lot as children. And that's pretty awesome as well. So it really is a, such a personal thing, I think, mm-hmm. when it comes to what you can afford um, when it comes to children and lifestyle. Yeah. And I just think it's so important that we're just never apologetic towards our kids. I never want to be like, oh, I feel so bad. I can't get you that. Mm-hmm. Because I think that when we mourn stuff, that's when our kids will mourn stuff. Mm-hmm. But if it's just like, nope, we can't have that. It's fine. We get to do this. Yep. And it's pitched in a positive light. Right. I think kids don't feel that lack because there is give and take. And yes. it's a fact that when you have more kiddos, there's probably more taking <laughs> going on too. But there's also more giving. Yeah, I think there's, I think in the, in the long run, from my experience, there's been more giving. Um, and that's, I think that's why we're excited about having children, whatever that number is, is that Katie and I are excited more. We're more excited at the prospect of giving them relationship and experience and ultimately, you know, a saving faith. We can't give them a saving faith in Jesus Christ, but we can certainly uh, give them the gospel message and mm-hmm. and share the word with them and train them up in the way that they should go um, so they can have a, a spiritually rich life knowing their Lord and Savior, which ultimately, I mean, that's, you know, money aside, even though we're talking about money in this episode, money aside, that's all that I want. When I think of my children being somebody that's in a prestigious career or in a less prestigious career, uh, what matters to me is their heart before the Lord um, and who they are as an individual and what their character is. And that's something that really money can't buy and, and something that we can create just with who we are as parents and our own relationship with the Lord. Well, that's that. Katie, did you did you enjoy this? Yeah, it was great. It was pretty fun talking talking about this. And I'm excited to grow and to learn more about what it takes to, uh, I guess, to grow children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And mm-hmm. just like I've said, we've gotten creative up until this point in how we've afforded children. And I'm just confident that we'll continue to get creative and uh, as, as the Lord blesses us with our next child. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And uh, be sure to be ready for next week's episode coming out. Um, on Tuesday and please like I already asked at the beginning leave us a review if you enjoyed this or just give us a rating you just give us like a five star rating that would be cool alright you guys bye bye